All right, thank you for downloading the Cruise Control Podcast. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud.com. You can follow me, the host, Randy Cruz, on Twitter at Randy J. Cruz, R-A-N-D-Y, the letter J, C-R-U-Z. This is Billy Corbin, director of Cocaine Cowboys and the 30 for 30s, The U and Broke. And there's nothing we love in Miami more than driving cruise control with no hands, steering with our knee, and not using turn signals, which is kind of what it's like listening to the Cruise Control Podcast with my man, Randy Cruz. All right, we're now here on the Cruise Control Podcast talking WWE TLC Monday Night Raw from last night. We're taping this on a Tuesday night here in New York City. Got my man Ryan all the way from Sacramento, California. He's on Twitter at Gully Blanchard, and he's also the host of the Gully Blanchard podcast. Ryan, what's up, my man? How you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Uh, you know, winding down a pretty chaotic 48 hours of wrestling, but um, I'm doing pretty good, having a good day. How about yourself? I'm doing good, man. And, you know, you you just said it, a, a wild 48 hours if you're a uh, big-time wrestling fan and all the crying, all the complaining, all the, you know, blogging and Twittering about what's been going wrong with the world of professional wrestling and WWE or what they should do and shouldn't do, um, the last 48 hours have been just a complete opposite of what they've been doing on television. Um, we all... I would say we all thought the TLC pay-per-view was not going to be that good. Uh, we were all very surprised about that. Monday Night Raw comes on last night, and we were just taken aback like it was the mid-2000s and, you know, 19, 1998 and, and whatnot. And um, before we get into all of that, uh, I, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on what was your expectations going into TLC before you saw any part of it? Um, my expectations were, were light. You know, I was expecting I was expecting Sheamus to walk out as champ. Um, I was expecting the League of Nations to kind of come in with uh, that being kind of a no DQ and, and you know, Costin Roman the match. I, I couldn't see Sheamus winning clean. Um, I didn't really have high expectations for the Divas. You know, the Divas match didn't excite me. Um, I thought, you know, TLC as far as with the six man tag with uh, or the six, you know, the six person tag with the New Day Usos and Lucha Dragons was going to be fun, and I was completely blown away with what I saw. Um, I didn't, you know, and honestly, I didn't really have high expectations, you know, going into it just because the product had been so bad leading up to it. It was a kind of a, a role reversal from how I felt about Survivor Series. Survivor Series, I was really excited. I, was, I thought they were doing a lot of things right, and I was let down. And I think I went into uh, TLC with really minimal expectations. And, you know, the, the beginning and the end of TLC was were awesome. Uh, I liked the Ambrose match, but, you know, not much really excited me as far as the, the other things. I thought they left a lot. You know, when, when you have bad shows leading up to it, it's really hard, I feel, to knock some of those matches out of the park. A lot of those matches didn't really have a lot of value to them, I felt. I think me and you were in the same boat. Um, you know, going, going into TLC, you know, when you saw the card and just, you know, just knowing you don't have a lot of people there and, you know, they're all injured from Seth, you know, I know Cena's out, Orton's out, you know, Nikki Bella, Sting, uh, Cesaro, and, you know, we even found out Wade Barrett's hurt and all of a sudden that's why he didn't show up on, on Sunday or Monday, but 
when you saw the card, you saw people like Ryback and and, and and Jack Swagger, and it's like, I don't know what to expect. It is TLC. You got ladder matches. You got tables matches. You had chairs matches. But it was like, I don't know. I, I wasn't really, I didn't really have high expectations except for the, the tag title match, the, uh, the Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens match, and of course the world title match. But I think everybody had the inclination that Sheamus was going to walk out as champion. Um, but I guess it was just how the whole storyline was going to play out. I think what set the tone very high early and set the bar was that the tag title match, which, you know, went on first. And I don't know if that was on purpose to try to get the crowd, you know, up and crazy. Uh, for the for the remainder of the card, but the job that the New Day, the Lucha Dragons, and the Usos for, for what they did, it, it kind of brought you back to the kind of matches you saw at Dudley's and the Hardys and Edge Christian do back, um, you know, many years ago. And when that match was over, um, I felt it was going to be very tough for the crowd to remain as, you know, anxious and, and, and crazy. For the remainder of of the pay per view, because that match is out the way, you still had Rusev and Ryback, you still had Jack Swagger, Del Rio, you had the, the Divas title and stuff like that. So I guess the the first match set the bar really high. But did you, as a fan, also watching on on, on the network, did you feel like, all right, that was a great match? How are they gonna follow that up? That was the first thing I thought after uh, after the match ended and Kofi got the belt. So it was like. Uh, the first thing I thought was, like, damn, they've got to top that. And then I think, like, the next match, if I'm not mistaken, was, like, Ryback and Rusev. Right. And I just, like, and I'm not, you know, and I've gone on record saying I'm not a huge Ryback fan. I think Rusev's been mismanaged, but I couldn't imagine the two of those guys looking at each other at Gorilla, like, while, you know, the, the Lucha Dragons are doing a Salida Del Sol through a ladder and, you know, Big E is bench pressing a ladder. Like, I couldn't imagine those two looking at each other like, well, we're going to go on next and we're going to find a way to keep this crowd, like, they set that, those six guys set that bar so high that, you know, for a pay-per-view that didn't really meet expectations, I thought, you know, kind of like you said, I like your point where I don't know if they did that on purpose because they know, they knew how bad the lead-up to it was. They're like, we're going to, it kind of like if you go out to dinner, we're going to give you a really nice appetizer, hoping that you're going to want to order more food. And I, I think that's what they did, and I think they did a good job of it. Um, I think, you know, the matches after obviously were challenging you know to put it nicely but i thought they did an excellent job in that six-man match and you know it kept me invested in the whole pay-per-view where i think if you would have put ryback and rusev on first i can't tell you i would have watched the whole thing you know right, pulling right. through but i saw <clears> things <throat> in that ladder match that like i've never seen a salida i've, I've seen the salida del sol but then to see it off of a ladder and I, that took me back, like you said, to that that early 2000 era where, you know, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edge and Christian are doing stuff in these matches. They're like, I didn't know that was possible. So I thought those guys set the bar really high. And, you know, the, the guys and gals the rest of the night had to put their working boots on. And, and some did a good job and some struggled. But, yeah, those guys set the pace for, for a better pay-per-view than I thought it was going to be. Now we get to New Day. How long, how long do you think... And how long would you like to see them hold the tag titles for? I would like to see them hold it for a while. You know, I think there's a lot of money in 
them kind of doing the Freebird thing where they have different guys kind of rotate in, even though, you know, Xavier Woods has been taking on more of a commentary role, which I think he's done really well with. I think, you know, the New Day is a good tag team. I think they really need to establish that young group of tag team wrestlers that they have. Like, I can see that those three, you know, kind of replicating what the Dudley's Edge and Christian the Hardys do, where they're just kind of revolutionizing tag team wrestling. And I'd like to see them keep it for a pretty substantial amount of time just to legitimize it. You know, one thing I think that they did with the world title and the U.S. title where they legitimized it to where, you know, the changing of those belts don't happen very often. So when those title matches do happen, they become a bigger thing. And I think there's been a, a new emphasis on tag team wrestling as of late with the six of those guys and some things they've done in the past. So I'd like to see them solidify the tag belts a little bit longer and then obviously, you know, pass them along to the next, you know, young faces that are going to take, you know, take it to the next level. But I think the longer you can keep the new, the, keep the belts on the new day, the funner they are in the ring, the more of a reaction they get, the better. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I, um, you know, it just remains to be seen what, what direction they're going to go in and maybe having the belts all the way to WrestleMania. I, I don't think they'll lose it at the rumble or, or fast lane. And, you know, for the record, I, I'm not a fan of how those tag titles look. Um, I'm not either. <laughs> I think two of us. That's like a, it's like a copper penny from 300. Yeah, mash them all together. Yeah, they don't they don't look good. Like I really hope that they really just you know call the the people that beat to the side and like listen, we gotta change how these tag titles look. And you know, I know I know the Intercontinental Belt has you know gone through some changes, and so has the World Title, but. Those tag titles belts, you know, they, they got to change hopefully soon. But um, I think they'll have a good run. I think they'll have the belts up to WrestleMania. But it it, it also remains to be seen who who's going to take the belts from them. You know, I, New Day against the Usos, we've seen that. We've seen them against the Dudleys. We've seen maybe not in a, in, in a, a traditional tag team form against the, the, the Lucha Dragons. But outside of that... Unless they're going to create some new tag team, I don't know who's going to take the belts uh, uh, away from them. Unless they have some kind of, you know, argument or whatever, and now they just you know dissipate and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I'm a big New Day fan. They're very entertaining. They go out there, and for the most part, if it wasn't a uh, 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 Reigns or a Cena or Seth Rollins, everybody was paying to see New Day. Yeah, I think one thing that they do is they, they do something really well that I think wrestling's missing right now where, you know, a lot of the, the promos you see feel scripted, they feel contrived. And I mentioned this on my show where, you know, one of my biggest issues with pro athletes are when you can tell what they're telling you they don't mean. And, you know, you lack that authenticity and that genuine, you know, that genuineness that comes across through TV. And I think one thing that the New Day does really well is they just sound like, guys that are just like we don't have a script we're going to go out there and have fun like those little small ad-libs or those nuances i think really build you know i think they really build what new day does i think they're just guys that are just funny together they're out there having a good time and it comes across on the screen you know whether you know whether you're a fan of biggie's promos or you know xavier woods trombone which i think is I think it's hilarious. I think that's the new, you know, that's the new megaphone from Jimmy Hart. Right, right, right. And I think, you know, those guys capture a lot of nuance and adlibs very well that makes them very entertaining to watch. Now, you know, I'm a big Bray Wyatt fan. I, I, I've been clamoring to have him win a match, whether him solo or with the Wyatt family. Um, 
they've, <laughs> I guess it was breaking news, but they finally won a match on Sunday against the, the team ECW. Um, what did you make of that match? Were you surprised the Wyatts went over? And where do you see the Wyatts going from, from here on in? I was I wasn't surprised they wanted TLC because they needed to get a victory. You know the Dudleys and Tommy Dreamer and Rhino are not really there to collect wins. Right. I think you know a couple of years ago they're kind of in the role where the New Age Outlaws were, where they were kind of solidifying the Usos and the Shield, where the guys from the past that come back. You know, there's a name attached to them. There's still equity in, in beating them, and I think the Dudleys have kind of transitioned into that that buffer to, you know, if you have to shine up a new tag team, the Dudleys are going to be the guys that you put them through to, to give them a quality win. Um, I thought between TLC and that excellent match that they had on Raw, the Wyatts, the Wyatts have this odd ability that I don't know what other wrestlers have to where they continually lose matches, but they still look strong. So then when they get wins, they're like, fans can get behind it because, like, these guys are finally, they finally look you know, their in-ring quality wins match the way they carry themselves. And I thought that the Dreamer, Rhino, and the Dudleys were excellent to make the Wyatts look strong. I hope the Wyatts continue to run roughshod. Um, you know, I, they, I would even love to see them, you know, kind of go after the New Day for a while, too. I think there's a lot of opportunity there just, you know, with, with so many different interchangeable pieces in a tag team division. Now, obviously, I'm I'm with you where I think Wyatt, you know, Bray himself is magic. I'd like to see him kind of transition into a singles guy with having, you know, Luke Harper, who I'm a really big fan of, kind of taking over that leader role in the, the three-person tag team. Like, I would love to see a six-man tag match between Harper, Rowan, and, and Strowman against Big E, Kofi, and Xavier with having, you know, Wyatt kind of, going in that main event, you know, kind of getting into that main event role to help out. But I'm really excited for what they did with the Whites. I think they finally they finally gave those guys a win. And just like you said, it was breaking news. To have them get two in a row, like, they're they're picking up quality wins on TV, which is what they need to do. Now, you know, I'm, I'm clamoring for Bray Wyatt to be in that heavyweight championship scene. Um, you know, it's been a long time since he's been anywhere near – uh, a world title or, or, or any title for that matter. I think with these back-to-back wins, I still felt they should have won at Survivor Series, but knowing that it was, yeah. you know, Taker's 25th anniversary, that wasn't going to happen. So let's say, let's say he, let's say the Wyatts would have, would have won at Survivor Series. That would have been three matches in a row. He got a winning streak. And now it's like Royal Rumble was next month. Anybody could win the the Royal Royal Rumble match, and I gotta say, like it might be a long shot. He might not have the highest, you know, possibility, but I think Bray Wyatt has to be in that final three, final four. I don't know how they're gonna book it, but in that ring, he's gotta be one of the final three, four people in that ring to try to go to WrestleMania and fight the world champion, whoever that might be. But if you don't do that, he he's got to be in some title contention. Even going even going at Dean Ambrose, uh, for the for the Intercontinental Belt after Kevin Owens uh, Kevin Owens is done with him, he's got to be in some title picture by by Royal Rumble or even before WrestleMania. Yeah, I think Bray's Bray's you know Bray can really distance himself from the Wyatts in a sense to where now Bray has something to do. 
you know, I would like to see Bray. I don't, you know, in in my, you know, in my fantasy booking, I don't have Bray winning the Rumble, but Bray does need to come out of that Rumble looking strong. He needs to come out of that Rumble looking like a million bucks, like you know, guys have before. Like I remember, you know, a couple of years Daniel Bryan didn't win, and then Roman lost two years ago to Batista, but they came out of that match looking strong. I would like to see, you know, I think there's money in Roman against Bray. Like, those guys had really good matches together. I know they had a really, really fun match on Raw a couple months back, so I think there's there's a lot of opportunity for, you know, Bray to come after Roman now that he's the champ with unfinished business. You know, I think Roman getting the belt, now you have, you know, heels to now chase Roman for that belt, and I think Wyatt, I think Wyatt's, you know, why I can really see Wyatt uh, Wyatt Rollins and Reigns kind of, you know, the world title going between those three guys for the next five to ten years, so I'm excited to see that, but Wyatt does have to have, Wyatt now has to have something to do, because I think they came out of that feud with the Dudleys, you know, Dream is going to be off TV for a while, I can't imagine Rhino's going to be on full time, so, you know, the Wyatts have essentially kind of took them off TV, so now Bray needs something to do, and I think a perfect... You know, it's perfect time to kind of transition him into that intercontinental. I don't think the intercontinental yet, but maybe a, you know, have him have a world title match with Roman. See how he draws. Like you don't know how Bray can draw in that world title spot until you give him a chance. I mentioned Dean Ambrose is now the new intercontinental champion. Kevin Owens had it for a few months. Um, I, I honestly felt that Kevin Owens was going to win this match, um, but to me, I can't be mad because. I'm always talking about why doesn't the company do something different or just really surprise people. And I think when Dean Ambrose won, um, it surprised not only the people watching at home, but the people in the arena in Boston. And and I felt like, you know, when Ambrose won, it was a shock. And it was something that we haven't seen in a while. Because a lot of people felt Kevin Owens was going to be the Intercontinental Champion for, for quite a while. He's not no more. Um... Were you shocked that Kevin Owens lost that match? And how do you feel about Dean Ambrose going forward with the Intercontinental Championship? I was more shocked after Monday Night Raw that they put the belt on Owens because I think there's always good to have that balance of having, you know, if you've got a heel champ, having a face Intercontinental or vice versa. So to have two baby faces have your two most prestigious titles in the company, it's, I don't know if I really like that idea. Um, I think Kevin Owens, Kevin, I don't like, Kevin Owens' character as someone who's chasing the belt, because if his thing is he's a prize fighter and he fights when he wants, well, now he has to chase down the Intercontinental belt. Um, I thought, you know, the Ambrose winning the Intercontinental title, I'm still kind of on the fence with it. I think it was a great, just like you said, it was a great shock. It was a great, like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You know, and, and the fans, the fans kind of gave us that reaction too, which is really cool. I'm not terribly sure if I like the idea yet. I want to give it time to marinate, but I like Kevin Owens as kind of that bully prize fighter who just comes in, beats people up, fights when he wants. You know, I liked what he was doing when he would walk out of certain matches. I thought that added to kind of that bully heel mentality. So with him now challenging Ambrose, I don't know what they're going to do next with that feud. I'm interested to see. I like what he did on Monday where he came in and just kind of beat up Ziggler and beat up Ambrose, but... I'm, I want to allow that some time to marinate to see if I think that they did the right thing there. The way they did it on Monday, I, I and this is my personal opinion, the way they did it on Monday where, you know, Dean is fighting Ziggler, Owens comes out, he, you know, he interrupts the whole match, and then he power bombs both. I feel like 
you know, not to be a booker, but I feel like at, at the Royal Rumble, it's going to be Dean, Ziggler, and Owens in a triple threat for the IC title. And then maybe after that, you know, I mean, Dean will probably win that match. And then after that, it remains to be seen where they're going to put Kevin Owens on the card. Um, or is he going to keep rising to the top? We don't know if any of those guys are going to be in the Rumble if they have a singles match, which I, I think they should be in the Rumble regardless. But you never know. But I think if Kevin Owens is in the Rumble, and if he's not going to be winning back the, the IC title, I don't know, man. And, and, you know, it's so funny. Once after last night and TLC, the next, uh, the main thing was who's, who's going to win the Royal Rumble? And, and that's the next debate of who should win it, who will win it, who do we want to win it. Um, in your opinion, top three, top four people, you know, let's keep it three. Top three people who you think would win the Royal Rumble and three people who you feel like you want to win the Royal Rumble? Uh, my top on both lists is going to be Brock Lesnar. Um, I think there is a ton of money, and I'll kind of get into my, my fantasy booking scenario down the road, but I'd like to see Lesnar come in and, and win. Um, I don't know if Owens is ready to win the Royal Rumble yet. I don't think that he is um, because he just, I mean, just getting the belt taken off him, He's a guy who's a prize fighter, and I think you know winning the Royal Rumble doesn't really suit him as a prize fighter, kind of a lone wolf as of yet. Because usually the end of the Royal Rumble is you know kind of your baby face who's overcame the odds. You know they did it a few times where they had Sheamus and Del Rio win at his heels, and I didn't really like it. Um, I'd like to see Bray, Bray and Owens. I'd like to see them come out of the Rumble looking strong. Um, I know there's always room for surprises. You know I, I think Cena comes back at the Rumble. Um, I'd like to see Cena come back, but, you know, my one by a long shot is I, I, I'd like to see Lesnar win it. You know, I'd like to see Lesnar come in, hired gun by the authority, just come in and dominate, like just throw everyone out of the ring, like a pissed off Brock Lesnar. Um, I think suits that rumble really well. He just comes in, throws guys out. Um, kind of a dark horse for me, and I don't know if it's just because I'm a fan of his work. Like, I would like to see Stardust have a prominent role in that Royal Rumble. I think it suits him really well. I think he needs something that, you know, they got to get behind him. And I think I'd like to see Stardust have a good rumble, not win it. But the three guys that I would see at the end, my final three would probably be Lesnar, um, Ambrose. Because I think, you know, with those three guys, I think you can have them double dip. Lesnar, Ambrose, and Wyatt. Okay, how about this? Let's say hypothetical Brock Lesnar is not in the Royal Rumble. For 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 whatever reason, I I think he should be in it. I think if he's gonna be in it, they'll make him. I would have said like have him like really run the table. Like he's got to be in, in like a before number ten. Let him go there for like twenty twenty five minutes, a half hour of, of doing work, as opposed to being number 25 or 30. To me, if Cena comes back, he'll probably be that late pick. Um, there is also an outside chance. You just never know of how this is going to go with, with Reigns and Hunter. Could we see Triple H in the Royal Rumble? I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you never know. Yeah. Or maybe a returning Daniel Bryan if they if they clear him. You know, I don't know. You know, you hear different things on if who's still yet to clear Brian if it's the doctors if it's WWE but even a returning Daniel Bryan would be fun 
Okay, so you, you let's say this: Cena, Brock Lesnar, Bray Wyatt, Dean Ambrose. You, if if Daniel Bryan is in that mix, knowing that you knowing that you're gonna have Roman Reigns being the champion at WrestleMania, I think that's what's gonna happen. Are we gonna see Brock and Reigns too? Are we gonna see Cena and Reigns for the first time? Are we gonna see Wyatt Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Roman Reigns, or Good friend versus good friend Dean Ambrose against Reigns. Which one do you you feel is going to be like, oh, wow, WrestleMania 32, Dallas, Reigns versus this guy. I'm going to watch it. If I'm I'm fantasy booking and I'm Vince McMahon and I need to fill up Cowboy Stadium with 100,000 people, I can do it with two matches. And my two matches to do that are going to be Cena. I'm sorry, yeah, Cena versus The Undertaker for The Undertaker's last match. Mm -hmm. And also... Lesnar reigns two for the belt. And Brock, those are my two, and, and, are my two matches I think can put a hundred thousand people in Dallas. And Brock wins or Reigns wins? Who's nope. winning? I've got I've got Reigns. I've got Reigns winning. I've got Reigns having the title till SummerSlam 2016, where it's uh, Reigns versus Rollins mm. in Barclays, which is in your neck of the woods. I think uh, in my my fantasy booking scenario is Lesnar comes back as the hired gun of the authority. You know, Heyman and Triple H strike a deal. Lesnar comes in, runs rough shot through the Rumble. You know, Triple H is paying Heyman a, t- a ton of money to bring him the belt, and you know it leads you to it leads you to WrestleMania 32, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar too. There's no money in the bank to be cashed in. There's no outside interference. It's just two guys that are going to come in and and can you know Lesnar. They can play off the fact that Lesnar physically dominated Reigns through most of that WrestleMania 31 match. So. Can the guy who's now the face of the company, can he finally conquer the beast incarnate in Brock Lesnar? Um, I think Reigns wins. I think Reigns takes it to SummerSlam 2016 when you got Reigns and Rollins in the middle of Barclays. And you know what? They can also play off the fact that Brock Lesnar, you know, when he had that match with Seth Rollins, I think it was Battleground. And, you know, don't get me started with the Battleground. Oh, yes. Yeah, don't don't get me started with the Battleground name. I'm not a fan of Battleground. But, you know, that match never finished. So, you know, Paul Heyman and the guys can be like, listen, Brock never really had the rematch. He never, the match never concluded. He got, you know, you know, you know, whatever from, from Undertaker. Uh, he deserves a true rematch. He wants the match whenever you want. So they can also throw that out. But I think in my fantasy booking, if they do John Cena, Roman Reigns, for the world title at WrestleMania, I mean, that is one hell of a way to uh, to have more people buy the network, buy a ticket, fly to Dallas, because it'll be a good guy versus your, your good guy. It's like Warrior Hogan all over again, unless they do something different with John Cena, which I doubt. So if you have two no, mega baby faces going at it in the main event at WrestleMania, what do you do with Brock on the card? Or what do you do with everybody else on the card? I don't know, but Cena Reigns could be. But I don't. Like, I, I won't mind seeing Brock Reigns too. I think you know. I like Cena. I like Cena Reigns in the same way that you know you can play it up where Cena's been the man in the company, and this is how I would play up Taker Cena, where Cena's been the man in the company for years. But with Cena Reigns, you know, you've got the, you've got it. If we could use it in basketball terms, you've got, you know, the the young hot guy. We'll just say, you know, Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and Steph Curry, you know, Steph Curry wants to be the man, and to be the man, you have to knock off the man. And 
you know, Steph did that last year when he knocked off LeBron James in the finals, and Reigns has got to go through Cena to truly be the man in WWE. And I think we've, we're getting to the end, I think, of Cena. I don't think, he, you know, I don't think this is going to be his last year, but I can, you can kind of see that he's starting to get, you know, the Hollywood money and, you know, the body only has so many, excuse me, the body only has so many bumps in it. So I think, mm. you know, Cena's kind of winding down. So I think it'd be a great thing to do to, to cement Reigns is, hey, this is the next guy. He's going to be the guy to, you know, play shortstop after Derek Jeter leaves or what have you. So there's opportunity in Cena Reigns. Um, I personally, you know, to be biased, I, I still think, I would. I don't know if, if me as a 31-year-old would fly to Cowboy Stadium to see Cena Reigns. I know I would. I'm confident I would fly there to see Cena Taker having that be Taker's last match. But that's just my opinion on what I'd like to see. Yeah, I I, I can't disagree with you either way. I think either match would be, <clears throat> you know, either of those four matches would be great. Um, you know, we all know Cena might win against Taker. Um, you just never know who might win with Reigns and Cena. It could be like a passing the torch kind of thing, knowing that Reigns is like the new John Cena now. And like you said, you know, Reigns is Steph Curry and, and John Cena right now with LeBron. So um, I think either way, they, they have, uh, what is it, Jennifer? They got four months to, to, to figure it out and get it right. So we'll see what happens there. But um, what did you make of Reigns and you know, what he did with Triple H at the end of the match at, at, at TLC and um, how much of a factor Triple H is going to play in the next few months? I think it, it sets up really well because, you know, Triple H wasn't there and, you know, Triple H had invested in, you know, your Sheamus or your or what have you to to keep the title, you know, out of Reigns' hand. So I think you have a natural rivalry now with, you know, Triple H, the evil, you know, the evil heel you know, authority figure trying to screw Roman Reigns at all costs, even though I kind of think that angle's been done to death. I, I think that's where they're going. Um, I like the fact that Triple H wasn't on TV. If I'm not mistaken, he wasn't on TV on Monday. I, I, my memory could escape me. No, he was. He sold the beating, and I think he, I mean, he made Roman look more credible, look more vicious, look more of a star in 10 minutes than they have in the whole, you know, two years that Roman's kind of been on his own. So props to Triple H, you know, being at his age, he still knows how to get guys over and get guys solid. And I, I, I remember watching the end of TLC, and I'm like, they finally figure it out. Like, the guy just comes in, he beats people up, he's a, you know, he's a vicious, he's a powerhouse. And they finally put him in a spot where he can be successful. They put him with the right guy in Triple H to make him look like a million bucks. So coming out of TLC, it's like, oh, they, they, might have, they might be onto something here. Don't let the guy talk a lot. Just have him come in and beat people up and, you know, be that guy who's pissed off because there's been wrong done to him. So I liked what they did with him and Triple H. Right. Then, you know, er, you know, everybody at home watching was like, you know, what took you guys so long? This is what this is the Roman Reigns we've, we've wanted for, for quite some time. And I know, you know, maybe Vince wants, wants Reigns to be the guy. And it's like, you know, they were forcing reigns upon everybody, but you know, you fast forward a whole year, and you know, I take I take nothing away from reigns. He worked hard. Uh, he made all the fans or majority of the fans really buy into him, as opposed to just oh, here's this new guy. He's gonna win the rumble, and he's gonna beat your favorite Daniel Bryan, and then he's gonna beat uh, everybody's favorite Brock Lesnar. I guess at that time it didn't work. 
Um, I'm not saying I'm a fan or not a fan of him. I, I feel like we're seeing a, a, a totally different reigns um, this year in, in, in 2015 than we did uh, in 2014. Um, he's come a long way from the Rumble in Philadelphia to you know beating Daniel Bryan, um, even being overshadowed by Daniel Bryan in that Rumble because everybody was pissed off once Daniel Bryan got eliminated. And everybody knew once that happened, Reigns was going to win the Royal Rumble, and he got to WrestleMania. Seth Rollins denied him. Everybody on planet Earth was happy about that, and then he kept working, he kept working, he kept working. I agree with you. He should not be talking as much on the microphone. Keep him more like, you know, like uh, how did how did they did Goldberg back in the days? He go in there, he beat you up, five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever. Don't say much on the microphone and keep it moving. So now we fast forward to, to today, and the crowd in Philadelphia at the Rumble in January was so different than what it was last night. And actually, I felt good for Reigns because he's come full circle. He's, he's, he's heard all the crying and complaining and the whining and the, the outcry of people of not wanting him to be the world champion. And for the record... I know Sheamus was only champion for like, what, a month or whatever. But TLC and the match he had with Reigns on Raw last night, I felt bad because I'm like, Sheamus really, you know, doing all this work and he's getting cuts and whatever on his back. And he really did his thing, to, um, you know, at, at, at TLC and Raw. So for that, I commend him. But just, it was just a lot of people who, didn't, who really did not want him being champion. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I haven't been the biggest Sheamus fan in quite some time. I think I said it on here. I think he's one he's one dimensional. Um, but I got to give I got to give it up to the guy the past 48 hours. You know, I I may not be a huge Sheamus fan, but I got to have more I have more respect for what he did in 48 hours with putting his body through, you know, hellacious matches and the fans aren't cheering for Reigns if they're not booing Sheamus. And I think that's one thing that kind of gets lost in all this where Sheamus did you know, Sheamus was handed chicken shit. You know, in, in that title belt, he was handed a he was handed a, a you know a, a messed up deck, and he was told to go win. And it wasn't easy to watch. You know, the fans were. I wasn't a fan of, the, of Sheamus winning the belt, but I again, I think that Roman's ascension is going to be tied to the fact that the fans finally, you know, the fans felt like Roman was robbed, and you know, Sheamus was the guy to do the robbing and. I don't know what's next for Sheamus. Um, I know that I appreciate him more as a professional wrestler today than I did, you know, three weeks ago. So I'm glad to see they got the belt off of him. I thought that was kind of a it was kind of a dead end. You know, I don't know now what becomes of the League of Nations, but I was happy to see. I was. It's funny because I watched. I watched. You know, when I got home, I was watching the off-air stuff and, you know, to see Roman have that reaction and to finally get that, that validation from the Philadelphia fan base and, you know, to have him talk about what this means and how, you know, a year ago at the Rumble they weren't behind him. I watched it, I watched it last night and I was like, man, like, I'm happy for him. Like, I was happy to see Roman get the belt. Mm. And I think the biggest difference between him now and him a year ago was, you know, the fans didn't have a reason to like Roman. They didn't have a reason to buy into him. He was just kind of like the guy that shows up at your job and is your manager, and you're like, well, why? Like, why is this guy, like, the leader of our company? You know, the fans didn't have any equity in him, and I think in the last month or two months, the fans really bought into the underdog Roman Reigns, 
And, you know, to have him have that validation in Philly, you know, last night was a good example of when professional wrestling is done right, how it's still 31 years old, and it's mm-hmm. kind of a, a cynic to the business that I think we all get to it at our age, just to really genuinely be happy for, for Roman to get that belt. And I was really happy to see it, and you can tell what it meant to him, and that was really well done. Yeah, and, you know, he, he, he won the belt in Philly, but the the, the night before in Boston, um, the 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 crowd, you know, the crowd would just let you know if they if they love you or they hate you or whatever. Um, at some point, did you feel like kind of bad or laughed at the fact that the crowd was chanting like, we miss Rollins and we want Cena and... You know all the other stuff. While during the main event between Sheamus and Reigns, did, did you feel like like oh man, like not right now? Or did you know give these two guys the chance who are, who are out there busting the ass in a in a, in a TLC match for, uh, for the world title? Did you? I mean, what was your reaction when the fans were chanting all that stuff? Daniel Bryan, you know NXT. We, we want Rollins I, and we want Cena. You know, uh, I thought it was unfair. I thought it was unfair to those guys that are going in and. You know, those two guys, and that's one thing I've always, you know, I don't like much about what Sheamus does, but if you had to, you know, gun to head, one thing I like about Sheamus, he wrestles a believable physical style. Right. You know, he goes in there, and those punches don't look, you know, they don't look thrown. They look, they look thrown with authenticity. So I can get behind that. And I thought that those, those guys put on the best match that they could, given the bad storyline that they were in. And, you know, I think it's unfair, and I think that's kind of a weird spot sometimes where fans get into where they want to be the star of the show, and then it kind of comes down to the old adage, like, oh, well, I bought a ticket, I can do what I want. Mm. You know what, you can, but at the same time, I, you know, I can watch it on TV and not really like what I see. So if you can buy a ticket and boo, I cannot be a fan of what they did to those guys. And it just it's not fair. Like, those guys worked hard. They gave the fans the best match they could, and... You know, some crowds are going to be like that. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I think for Roman to do what he did in Philly the night before, you know, those fans were behind him in a way that I didn't think Philadelphia fans and that whole, that eastern part of the country is, is notoriously tough, as well as Chicago. You know, come to Sacramento, we'll probably cheer you for no reason. But, you know, it's it's a tougher crowd to get behind. And I think for Roman to win that validation and have that come across as, you know, that's the guy now I thought was huge. You know, I thought they gave him, they gave Roman a lot of spots in TLC and last night to, to get the fans behind him. I think last night they finally got it right. But, you know, I wasn't a fan of what the fans did last night with, you, with those kind of chants. I don't see how it makes the show any better. Like, you can chant this is awesome when something is awesome. You can chant the guys in the ring's name when they're doing something you like. But when you got got two guys that are in there busting your ass, if you don't like it, you can boo. But to take away from what those guys are doing and just mask it under, oh, we paid for a ticket, we can do what we want, like, that's – they're not making the show any better. They're making, them, they're making the show about themselves. And, you know, none of, the, none of those guys walked out of TD, you know, a TD Garden or whatever it is now with a bump or a bruise. And, you know, Sheamus' back looked tore up. Roman Reigns looked like he went through, you know, a rough night. And I, I didn't like it, but, I mean, I guess fans are going to think because they pay for the tickets, they can do what they want. Hey, man, I mean, I guess when you go away for a while, the fans really miss you because, you know, I feel like a lot of fans really hated Seth Rollins because of his character and whatever. And there was always a mix of John Cena fans 
and, and John Cena haters. So I guess when you're away for a while, the fans really miss you. And then for them to really chant, we, we miss Rollins and we want Cena. I think chanting we want Cena was more surprising than we want Rollins. And because <laughs> I didn't know people really were going to miss John Cena. I know, you know, he'll be back soon. He's not hurt, but him not being there, I think since hell in a cell, I think, I think we're going on two months without John Cena. Um, very surprising that the fans would chant, we want Cena. And what's funny is, is I've been a Cena fan. Um, you know, I don't always like his, his corny, you know, frat house, Gronkowski-esque promos sometimes. I think they're a little <laughs> cheesy. But, you know, the guy for, if you, this is one thing I've always respected about Cena. If you look at some of the Mount Rushmore professional wrestling, for me at least, it's, you know, it's Austin, it's Sean, it's Brett, you know, and those are those three are my favorite of all time, you know, with obviously Savage being in there too. But if you look at Cena's run for, you know, the forgotten WrestleMania, WrestleMania 20, to WrestleMania 31, he's been in a relevant match in WrestleMania for 11 years. And then if you look at, like, Austin, I think Austin had his first WrestleMania match, I want to say at WrestleMania 13, had his last at 19. And, you know, wasn't at WrestleMania 2000. So he had about five, he had a five-year run of dominance. But then if you look at, Cena's had twice that. So I think fans, I think fans are starting to see, like, okay, this guy that we booed for so long, mercilessly, like, we kind of liked booing this guy. Like, we're, we're booing this guy because we like him so much. That's where I think it was starting to get with Cena towards the end because the guy at his age and with his mileage, is still putting on great matches on Monday Night Raw, you know, and he's had, you know, he's had some clunkers of feuds before, but I've always respected what John Cena does, you know, in the ring and his dedication to the company. I think fans are slowly starting to realize, like, hey, we're sorry for, you know, treating you this way for the past, you know, eight to nine years. Like, we kind of miss you, man. Can you come home? Yeah, man. I, I, I've. It'll be very interesting to see. When Cena comes back, what they do with him, who they, you know, match him up with. And if they go down the road of him and Roman Reigns, it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see who the fans boo at. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, are they going to boo Reigns again or are they going to keep booing John Cena? In, in your opinion, if they do John Cena, Reigns, WrestleMania or something something close to that, who are the fans siding with? I think they're siding with Reigns because I think with with Rollins, it's with sorry with Cena, it's kind of become fun to boo him. You know, like you'll have the "Let's go Cena," Cena sucks, and people get behind that in the in the, in the arenas. They enjoy kind of that duality with the chance, and you know, I think people are going to end up getting behind Reigns because it's it's fun to boo Cena. Cena comes across very, you know, goofy. Like I said, Gronkowski s with this with the fraternity type promo sometimes. So I think it's fun. Like, I think fans in, you know, your eastern area in Chicago and fans that are typically tougher, I think that to them, the boos are in, a, in an odd way, like a sign of respect. You know, and that could just be my opinion. But I think the fans will, will cheer Reigns and boo Cena because it's, the, it's, it's fun to boo Cena. We enjoy the Cena sucks chance and... You know, we can make a, we can be loud when we boo the guy as much as in a in a weird, you know, psychological way. We're really showing him our appreciation by mm-hmm. booing him or something like that. 
Um, I got a few more before I wrap it up, but um, yep. going back to Sheamus real quick, you know, knowing that he created the whole League of Nations uh, stable, he's no longer the champion. Um, the only champion on League of Nations is Alberto Del Rio with the U.S. title. Um, does that kind of, with, with Sheamus not being the world champion, does that kind of fizzle, um, fizzle out? the League of Nations for now, or do you feel like they, there's light at the end of the tunnel for this stable? I I, I think it fizzles it out, you know, because Barrett's been off TV for a while. Um, I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he should be back soon with that pinched nerve in his shoulder. Um, Del Rio hasn't really found his footing. You know, I I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's in great shape, and he's trying to have good matches, but the match with Swagger at TLC was just, it didn't make any sense why the guys were feuding. It still doesn't. You know, I think Del Rio had a great, you know, reaction when he came back, but he hasn't done much since. I don't know if this is slowly going to turn into, like, NWO black and white, where, like, Stevie Ray and Vincent and Brian Adams are, like, in that feud, or in that stable. So I think the League of Nations, it'll still be there. But I don't think I don't think you're going to see it ever as strong as it was. I would have liked to see them have more of a dominant run because I think they need a good. I thought they needed a good heel stable to help establish Reigns, even though they fast forwarded that you know by 48 hours. But I don't really know what they're going to do with the League of Nations now. I think it. I don't. I think they're going to have a hard time bringing that to a source of dominance. I think for the record, the NWO had about 45 members. Yes. Yeah, and that was just in North America because like, they, like, <laughs> they had like Chono in there for a little bit. And, oh yeah, that it's funny. I do it all the time. So, like I'll watch like old nineteen ninety nine or two thousand promos. Like I watched like uncensored. I want to say it was uncensored ninety nine, and like there was Stevie Ray against Vincent for like control of the NWO or something. I was like, God, oh, this is like how did you go from Bash in the Beach to this? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, they they had like, they had everyone who I think. They almost had everyone who was in WWE in some form of another. Like, they had, like, you know, Brian Adams, Brian Clark. Um, they had, Mike. They had you know, Mike Rotunda in there for a little while. Just, yeah. That was... Yeah. And that got bad. It got really bad. They, they, they had about 41 more members than, than they should have. If they would have kept it with Hogan, Nash, um, Hall, Nash, and Hogan, and stopped at the giant i would have been you know good and suffice with it but once you start adding you know i mean there were big names i know i know we just went off way topic but still you know when you bring in big names like dibiase and you know x-pac or six whatever you want to call them back then then you start getting um who was they added the 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 fake thing bagwell and i really buff bagwell was nwo and it just got to be too much, you know, Kurt Henning, and, and I, I'm a fan yeah. of all of them, but it's like, I mean, uh, you know, Eric, I think once they got Eric Bischoff, that should have been it. Then you start adding stopped, yeah. people and stuff like that. And I remember one time somebody said, um, I think in a documentary where, you know, it was Hall, Nash, Hogan, then like the Giant. Then like the next pay-per-view they had like four limos and like 29 people are like nwo and and, and then it got to be like too boring or too um you know every monday was was too much nwo but um monday night raw last night 
before that, I was, you know, I, I was I was very anxious to see what they were going to do, how they were going to open up, if they were going to open up with Hunter, Authority, Sheamus, League of Nations, uh, Reigns. Um, but I think they played it well, saying Hunter was hurt. He's back in Connecticut. Um, and then we get old Vinnie Mac. Um, back on TV for the first time in a year, I think since that Stone Cold podcast. And to be honest, man, I was very like, oh, <laughs> you know, like either A, they're bringing back Vince McMahon because that's part of the new storyline going on now because Triple H is not there or they're bringing Vince McMahon back because they've been seeing how the ratings were and stuff like that and they, just an extra push to get Roman Reigns over the top. When you heard Vince was coming back that night, which direction were you going to? Like, oh man, like like they're desperate, they're panicking, or the fact that okay, you know what, this kind of makes sense. Well, it's funny because you know, being out here, I don't have the luxury of satellite TV, so I kind of follow along with what's going on on Raw through Twitter. So, like, I'll, I'll kind of watch how you're tweeting about it, and other people, and I'm like, yo, they brought Vince back, like. Man, that's different. Like, because I know they they'll bring Vince back for like one offs that aren't really relevant. Like you said, the Stone Cold podcast and what have you. But I remember when they brought Vince back, I was like, oh, this is going to be something a little bit different. And then, like, as I'm kind of reading through the show, and you know, he kicks Reigns and the the tater tots, grapefruits, raisins, whatever you want to call them. And I'm like, oh, okay, like maybe he's going to put Reigns through all this and come back and be that that kind of you know the face of the company that's going to now feud and. He'll be on Reigns' side, but I liked him coming back, you know, as the heel, authority figure, you know, kind of like the final boss for Roman Reigns to defeat, to win the video game, so to speak. So I thought it worked out really well. I thought he took a hell of a Superman punch from Reigns, though. Like, I didn't see Reigns pulling back on that thing at all. Like, he hit that 70-year-old man's flush on the, in the face. But I, I, liked, I liked the fact that Vince came back. I thought it added... It added more to we need to make Reigns and we need to make him now. Like, I thought they finally realized, like, the thing with Sheamus isn't working. You know, the ratings have gone in the tubes. It's, it's the way they're going with the company. How are we going to get them out? Like, if we put Vince on TV, fans are going to tune in because everyone, you know, still sees Vince as the head of the company. So I thought it was, I thought it was a desperation to get, not only get Reigns over, solidify him as the top guy, at Vince's expense, at the authority's expense, at the Sheamus, at Sheamus's expense, but I thought it was really cool. It was a really cool shot to see Reigns knock out Vince and finally become champion. So I thought that all of that was great table settings for Reigns to be the guy. Yeah, I I, I felt like once Stephanie said Vince was going to be here tonight, um, it just it just took me back to when. You know, Vince was always on TV every Monday night going up against Stone Cold and Sean and, you know, Taker, The Rock, whoever, you know, Shane McMahon. Um, and, it, yeah, he's 70, 70 years old, but it's like the fan, in, you know, in you says, man, like, I, I I miss McMahon being on TV. And he just gives that, that, that sort of aura, that sort of, you know, mystique, like, you know, the boss is here, he's going to... When you know he's in the building or going to be on TV, some shit is going to happen. You might get fired. He might put you in a match where you got you know to defend your belt. And I'm I'm at home like wow like 
McMahon's really on TV. Like, you know, it just, it was different than always seeing Stephanie and Hunter on TV. Um, so seeing him kind of took me back to like, wow, like this is something that I don't hope, I mean, I hope it's not just a one night thing. Maybe it'll keep going on because now Hunter is, you know, quote unquote hurt. Um, now with Stephanie, it's like, she's like, dude, like pop, like I told you to, t- I told you to take care of it. I thought you were going to fire him. And then I turn around and now Reigns is the world champ. So I want to see what kind of dynamic that or storyline is that going to portray down, down the road because Hunter and Stephanie might be upset with, with, with Vince putting Reigns in a, a title rematch that night. So um, maybe there's a storyline brewing with Vince against Hunter and Stephanie authority. It remains to be seen, but a lot of people, uh, Ryan, a lot of people tuned into Raw last night. I guess what they saw from TLC on Sunday, they were really anxious. They were really happy. Um, a lot of people tuned in. I think 3.8 was the rating or over 4 million people uh, tuned in to Raw last night. So that is a very, very good thing because they were getting in the twos um, on, on Monday night. But it remains to be seen. How Now, how do they follow up next week? But I think they did the right thing of how they ended TLC made a lot of people feel like, you know what, I got to watch Raw tomorrow night. Yeah, and, and that's when, what I said earlier in the show. Like, they made Reigns credible in 10 minutes. Like, they did more with Reigns in 10 minutes as far as, like, fans wanting to see what happens next than they did in 18 months or two years or however long it's been since Reigns, you know, since the shield was kind of fractured. So I know I caught the end of TLC and I was like, Okay, well that you know that could be pretty exciting. Like there, you know, I was excited to see what was going to happen on Monday. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I had forgotten for some reason it was going to be in Philly. And they usually seem to bring the house on the Philly shows, on the the Brooklyn shows. You know, and they used to run MSG for Raw. They usually seem to bring the house on those because it's such a hard crowd that they want to do something different. So, you know, to bring Vince out. And to now to see, you know, Reigns get the belt. Now it's it kind of comes back to my excitement where I was pre-Survivor Series where, like, I want to tune in because I want to see what's going to happen on Monday. Like, I can't wait to see what's going to happen Monday night with Reigns coming out as a champ. Mm-hmm. Is Triple H going to come down? Is he going to be recovered? Are they going to place blame with Vince? Is Vince going to overrule the authority? You know, now we have all these different options to where right. fans want to kind of come in and they want to see what's going to happen next. So... I'm more excited than I've been the past couple weeks, you know, to be a wrestling fan, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man, I, I, I'm just like you. I was excited to see Raw uh, last night. I'm excited to see what, what direction they're going to next week because there are storylines that have to be played out. Reigns, champion, Hunter, uh, is, he, is he okay? Is he healthy? What is he going to do to, to Reigns? Uh, Ambrose being champion. Uh, going going against Owens and, and Ziggler. Was Ste- is Stephanie mad at Vince? Is, is Vince going to come back? Um, but all that happened in the last forty eight hours, and we've been <laughs> we've been begging for something even remotely close to this to happen, just to make it very intriguing and have some kind of storyline. Well, you know what? Have your casual, well, your wrestling fan and your casual fan be like, you know what? I got to tune in next week, but. Um, my last question is this with what's been transpiring in the last 48 hours, uh, NXT has their event tomorrow in London. Um, is there any feeling that NXT has to 
cut or, or, or any pressure going on with how NXT has to perform tomorrow night, or do you feel like they have to raise the bar now on their behalf because of what's been transpiring with TLC and Monday Night Raw? I think it's an it's an interesting time for NXT because for the for a long time the NXT shows have kind of had more excitement behind them than the WWE shows. Like, and we talked about that. It was uh, you know when Sir SummerSlam was in in Brooklyn, where like fans were more excited. It seemed like for the NXT show than the actual WWE show. I think this is the first time where WWE kind of has that that edge on what NXT is doing. You know, there's a lot of matches on NXT that I'm pretty excited for. Like, I, for one that I'm really excited for is the Asuka versus Emma match. But I, I don't know if it's going to force NXT to to kind of raise their game. Like, I would like to see, you know, them continue to get better, them continue to put on a good product. Um, I'm interested to see what happens at TakeOver London because I think there's a lot of, you know, they've been kind of teasing kind of Finn being a lone wolf and, and, you know, Joe's kind of coming into his own. So I don't know if they can match the excitement of what happened at TLC and Raw because, I mean, they threw out a world title match on free television, you know, a free title change, which rarely happens in WWE nowadays. So that's kind of a an outlier. But I'm really excited to kind of see where they come out of this TakeOver London show because, you know, this is their first time overseas in London. There's a lot of fun matches on the card. Um, I hope, if nothing else, I hope it does, you know, force NXT to kind of raise their game a little bit because NXT, I think, is such a it's such an exciting brand in the sense to where it it gives you a lot of it, it's kind of like watching minor league baseball or the kind of the same way ECW had that following in the beginning where fans of a certain underground style of music or fans of a certain kind of counterculture, they feel like that's ours. You know, I think fans watch NXT, you know, the old school traditionalists, and I can only really speak for myself, like, I watch NXT and thinking, like, that's the wrestling that I enjoy. Like, wrestling matches, interesting storylines, and then when they come up to Monday Night Raw, it kind of dissipates and we don't really have much. So, I think, you know, it's going to, I hope if nothing else, it pushes NXT to put on a better show. I think they're going to put on a, a pretty good show as it is. I'm excited to watch it. A lot of good matches on the card, but if nothing else, I hope, you know, NXT, I think NXT has pushed WWE to be better, and now I'm interested to see what happens now that WWE kind of has that leg up on NXT, what happens with the NXT. So I think, you know, with the NXT show, so even with NXT and Monday Night Raw, like fans are going to tune in excited to see what happens, and I think that's a really cool time in wrestling. Well, two things. One, I, I, think, it's, I think it's good that if... NXT is feeling any pressure. I think that's good because, you know, let, let, let's keep it real. For the, for the past several months, if you're a, a wrestling fan, all you could talk about is NXT and, and how good NXT is, how great NXT is, and how um, how great their wrestlers are in NXT and e- even when they go up on the, on, on the main roster. So for that period of time, even, you know, you had Cena here, you had Seth Rollins as your champion and whatnot, and even before Cesaro, Randy Orton got hurt, no matter what it was, you were still talking about NXT and, you know, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. And now, all of a sudden, um, there are some people like, you know what, I, now now I got to see NXT to see how they're going to come back to 
uh, see if the, if they're gonna produce a, a better show than than TLC and Raw. And it kind of reminds you that you know it, it's funny you said that you know it's something like a competition kind of thing where you know for a while it was NXT NXT NXT. What is you know Vince gonna do on on his side? But now they finally did something. So now what is NXT gonna you know gonna do? It kind of reminds me of how. Back in the day, for the Monday Night War, where WCW was doing this every week, every week, every week, and it kindly put put Vince in the corner, like, what am I going to do? And then when I finally do something and I come back, what was WCW going to do next? So now, for the most part, TLC was was, was a good pay-per-view. It shocked, it shocked me. Raw was great. So now... It kind of puts the a little pressure on what NXT is gonna do. I think I think London is gonna be a great show. Um, I'm a big Finn Balor fan. I think he'll retain the title against Samoa Joe. But I think once the show is over, you're gonna start seeing people comparing which one was better, TLC or London or Raw or London. And I think for, for the record, I don't know if you got it, but they did a survey when they emailed just about everybody <laughs> on the planet about. Who was better? What was better? Why you like NXT? Why don't you like this and everything? And I think the response that they got last week, they they saw that, they looked at it and was like, wow, NXT is really kicking our ass. What are we going to do to kind of change our game up? Because they needed that. They, need, they needed the NXT competition to make their product better. And I, I want both to be great. I don't want one to be more better than the other. If both are great, that's better for for everybody out there. Definitely. And I think one thing that NXT does, you know, with fans that I think that, you know, WWE hasn't been able to do in a long time is, you know, if, if you bring it back to sports, you know, NXT is like watching your favorite players in college and then you watch them go to the pros and you're like, I've had this, you know, emotional investment or this equity built in, say, a, a Leonard Fournette or a Carl Anthony Towns, you know, or, or a Ben Simmons or Joel Okafor. So now when I see these guys in the pros, like, I know what to expect. Where I think one thing that WWE was missing for a while was, you know, when they were doing developmental with your Cena's and your Orton's, like, those guys weren't on TV, so they would still show up for their debut, and the fans are like, we don't know if we're getting behind this person, if we're not. So having NXT on TV, having them on pay-per-views, it gives us as fans reasons to get behind a Sasha Banks or a, a Neville or you know a Sami Zayn or a Kevin Owens because when they come to the main roster, we have this title. I'm like we know we already like you know Kevin Owens or we don't like Kevin Owens and here's why. So you know when Kevin Owens is coming down to the ramp cold the first time, we know what reaction we're going to have. So I think just like you said, it, it and I'm hoping there's an internal com- competition between the two shows to where, like, the guys and gals right now in London are thinking, well, they just had a great show. We've got to step our game up. You know, Samoa Joe's got to step his game up. Bailey's got to step her game up. You know, um, Gable and Jordan have to step their game up because they have that professional pride towards they don't want to be the B show. They don't want to be that B show, the Monday Night Raw's A show. So I'm excited to see what they do in London. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, Ryan, man, always great having you on the show. Um... You can follow him at Gully Blanchard on Twitter. He is the host of the Gully Blanchard podcast. Uh, just, you know, t- 
tell the people where they can, you know, find you, how they can contact you, when and where you you, you know, you do your podcast and how they can find that. Yeah, no problem. Um, you can check us out, uh, like like you said, on Twitter, at Belly Blanchard, uh, G-U-L-L-Y-B-L-A-N-C-H-A-R-D. You can check out the podcast, gullyblanchard.podbean.com. We try to get a show out to you guys every Saturday. We usually tape it Wednesday. Um, we kind of try to have a blend of just wrestling and three guys, you know, having fun and, and telling stories and keeping it light. And, you know, as long as it's something we're enjoying and we're giving you guys different perspectives, we think we're doing a good job. You can also check us out on iTunes at Gully Blanchard. You can check us out and search us there, rate, review, subscribe, like the show if you like. So, yeah, we've done about nine episodes. We're really enjoying what we're giving you guys. So just check it out. If you have any questions, you can hit me up on Twitter. Um, just check out the show. We really enjoy it. We think you guys will, too. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you and the family, man. Thank you very much, Randy. I appreciate you as well, sir. All right, man. Thank you.